When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Henley, can you say, Mommy, I miss you? Mommy, I miss you. But we're having fun at the circus. We're having fun at the circus. We'll see you when you get back from California. We'll see you when you get back from California. Love you. Love you. Hendrix, do you miss Mommy? Hello, 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 and welcome to a new episode of Hot Marriage Cool Parents. This is Doug Hainer, and we're coming off a very exciting episode. In fact, today we have Nate and Kaylee Klimp, which this interview I did, I've never found a couple that's more in tune to what Jamie and I have been going through and have been really going through for quite a while. And I really felt a connection with Nate and Kaylee Klemp. They've been featured on ABC News and Good Morning America, and they have a book out, 8080 Marriage, and they talk about fairness and really what each partner contributes to a marriage. And it really, really made a lot of sense. And I know that couple was on the verge of divorce and kind of rebounded with this philosophy. So I feel a lot of couples will get a lot of good information out of this interview that we do today. So last episode, I mentioned that we wanted to start including not just a five-star review, but we wanted to start including some of your voices. So if you have a question for us, and again, nothing is off limits or even something about The Bachelor, because we will be having Jamie's old producer on again to ask any questions about The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, the current season, or just anything in general, send a voice memo to teamjamie at jamieotis.com. And we will pick a couple of you to not just answer on air, but also have your voices on air. So that should be fun. So again, send in your questions. You can record yourself as a voice memo and then just email that voice memo to teamjamie at jamieotis.com. And before I forget the five-star review this week, which I absolutely loved from ATARH2O, so ATAR Water, I'm assuming, but says, Love, love, love. I follow you guys on Facebook and Instagram and have loved and cheered you on since MAFS. Married at First Sight. I love watching your lives evolve and the addition of your kiddos. I love your podcast and the various topics you present. Just keep doing you. I love the honesty and realness. So thank you, ATAR H2O, which is awesome. Yeah, so Jamie and I have a couple big things going on. One, we are planning on heading back to New Jersey soon, so there's been a lot of preparation to get our Florida house ready to be able to Airbnb. I'm hoping that it can get ready. Jamie and I are completely rookies and novices at this, and I don't think it takes much, but there are little odds and ends that we have to take care of before even considering somebody coming and moving in. Also, what to do with all of our clothes and everything, and we packed light when we came out here, so it's not like we have a lot to pack up and put into storage, but we did bring enough clothes. So when we travel back and forth, we won't have to really pack any clothes or anything. It's just getting all the kids stuff ready. And then when we go home to New Jersey, it's just getting that house ready to possibly put on the market just because it is a great market right now. And if we can get top dollar for it, you know, we'd like to. So anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying Couples Cam. 
because I am absolutely loving it. So this season coming out, it's going to be, well, already showing that a couple of the new couples from this current season, but also there's a couple new babies that have been added. Greg and Deanna, Anthony and Ashley had their second baby and Bobby and Danielle with their second baby. So congratulations to them and a lot of fun stuff that's also happening. And for anybody that has followed us on social media or followed me, yesterday we had a horrible thunderstorm. But before that thunderstorm, I think I caught a UFO and I I hope that I'm not sounding crazy. I know UFO stuff does sound crazy, but it's not so crazy anymore because the Department of Defense actually recognized UFOs as a real thing in front of Congress. So they, they're not saying it's extraterrestrial or whatever, but they are saying that UFOs are real and the stuff that the Navy has captured and everything else, it's a real thing and they just don't know. But I did see like six or seven glowing lights weaving in and out of storm clouds, which was nuts. I wasn't planning on capturing that. I was just videoing the storm because Jamie flew out to LA to go film for Unfiltered. So she's still doing that. So I have the kiddos for the next two days. And actually right now I blasted Moana on TV right now because that keeps my son's attention for at least five minutes. I just made dinner, which is ravioli. So I put a whole plate in front of him, chopped it up kind of nicely. I made Henley spinach raviolis and some oatmeal. And hopefully uh, I have a couple more minutes before I have to go and tend to them. But um, we were going to get ready to go to a park. And every time that Jamie goes away and I have the kids on my own, I always want to go do things. So whether it's the park or we recently discovered this Ringling Brothers Circus Museum where apparently the Ringling Brothers, they had a house down in Sarasota. It's actually a mansion. It's a beautiful campus and they made a whole thing out of it. It's just really cool. But every time that she goes away and we get to go to either the park or to something, it's like the worst rainstorm or thunderstorm ever. Well, this time I was kind of just showing that in a video saying that every time Jamie goes away, it happens to thunderstorm and lightning and everything. And all of a sudden these glowing things come out of the cloud. I still don't know what they are. I can't imagine that they're drones. Somebody said that they may be birds or seagulls, which could be, but there's a couple that I don't know. They just sort of go in formation and they're just weaving in and out. I've never seen seagulls or a flock of anything go in and out of clouds and do that. But either way, Jamie thought I was nuts, but the video is up on my stories on Instagram. So we tried to go to, well, we actually did go to the Ringling Brothers Circus Museum again. So we became members the first time we went, really enjoyed it. They have this whole museum part that is interactive. So they have all of the old circus props and They actually have a tightrope that the kids can walk through. They show how the human cannonball works and a lot of fun stuff, a lot of videos and Henley's able to run around and it's a museum where the kids can interact with things and the people don't really care. Like we don't have to keep saying Hendrix or Henley stop touching things. It's really cool. But this time I went out and Jamie had called before and I told her this story because this is so typical of something that happens. And I just had to chuckle because it was really frustrating at the time. But now looking back, it was like one thing after the other. So we start going to the Ringling Brothers Museum and Henley wants to bring her doll and she has a stroller and she's wheeling her in and they stop us before we get into the building. And one of the security people says, the kid can't have a stroller. 
for whatever reason, she can't push her baby on a stroller. So they take the stroller. Henley doesn't understand, but it doesn't matter. We walk through. We didn't even go through anything yet. So we go through and Henley's hopping and skipping and jumping. We went into the first place. And as soon as we got out, we wanted to take a tour of the grounds. They have this rose garden. And then you can see the Ringling Brothers mansion, the one that they built. So as she's skipping and running and hopping, she trips and falls onto the concrete and she cuts her knee and it wasn't just a cut. It started to bleed a little bit and she's not so much freaking out, but it's hot. It's humid. There's little no and bugs everywhere. So I'm trying to console her. Hendrix is in the stroller. I did bring and packed a snack and some water. Henley won't let me eat touch the cut with any gauze or water or a Band-Aid or anything, Hendrix starts getting agitated a little bit. And that's Lady in the background. Sorry, everybody. But Hendrix starts to get a little antsy because he's hungry. And I packed a lunch. So I packed Henley's old lunchbox from her school. I put together some fruit, some yogurt, some, I don't know, chips or whatever it was, this spinach and cheddar or something chips. And so now Henley's on me and upset. Hendrix is a little bit antsy and now he's kind of like getting testy and just being really agitated. I go into the lunchbox and the ice pack exploded. There's this blue gel that's all over the lunchbox on the inside. The only thing that was salvaged was a banana and an orange or a clementine. So I reach in. Now, I still have blue stuff all over my thumb, and it's not coming off, but whatever this is, so that's happening. Then it starts to rain, and then the bugs come, and so I'm trying to get all of them into the stroller just so I could put the covers over so we could almost run to the car, but now I got blue stuff everywhere. I got both kids kind of crying. I got limited food, and I'm trying to just breathe and get out, but it's raining, and there's just... It was one of those moments where just one thing after the other, and it would have been a lot better if Jamie was there, would have been a lot less painful, but we got through it just like we always do, and we almost made it all the way home. Hendrix pretty much cried the whole way. I think he was hungry later to find out that as soon as I go to pick him out of his car seat, the kid had a blowout. So now I have blue all over my hand and now I have poop all over the car. And as I'm bringing them in, it was a mess. And that was my day to day. So yeah, anyway, I'm sure other parents have other horror stories and I'm sure this isn't my last go around with something like this, but I thought you guys would appreciate that. Anyway, this interview with Nate and Kaylee Klemp, I really love this couple. We had such a rapport and these are two that I could see Jamie and I hanging out with. They have a lot of great information. They are super smart. They have master's degrees in sociology. I mean, they've been featured on TEDx and it's just, they're really, really amazing people, fun to talk to, a lot of great information on marriage. And we really got into how their marriage started then almost fell apart and then how they kind of salvaged everything. So there's a really great concept and a lot of great information and it absolutely pertained to real life and a lot of it related to Jamie and I. So I'm very excited to have him on and 
Since I'm all by myself, I wanted to keep the intro super, super short so we could just get Nate and Kaylee Klemp on. Plus, I have the kiddos that are kind of calling for me now anyway. But without further ado, here is Nate and Kaylee Klemp. So here at Hot Marriage, Cool Parents, we love finding guests to motivate us to be better spouses, partners, friends, parents, and the list goes on. Today, we are excited to welcome Nate and Kaylee Klemp to chat all things marriage relationships and certainly the 80-80 discussion, which we're definitely going to get into. Nate and Kaylee have impressive education degrees behind their names. Nate received a PhD from Princeton University. Uh, We beat Princeton in baseball, just to say, um, (laughs) at Pace University. Uh, (laughs) And Kaylee has a master's in sociology from Stanford University. Nate is a founding partner of the company Mindful, and Kaylee has been featured on TEDx. Despite their skills and education, they often find themselves disagreeing in marriage about fairness, so they work together to come up with a new model that is grounded on radical generosity and shared success and put those ideas in a book called The 80-80 Marriage. You know, Jamie and I sometimes struggle with this idea of of fairness, especially me becoming a stay-at-home dad, which is why we are super excited to talk to Nate and Kaylee all about this. So welcome to Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. We are so happy that you guys made time to be here. Awesome. We are so happy to be here. Yes. Yeah, great to be here. Awesome. So I think just to give a little background, because I think Princeton and Stanford are on two different coasts, if I'm not uh, mistaken. So maybe if you can give a little background on how you two lovebirds got together. Yeah, well, it's actually an interesting story that involves both of those places. But it starts in Boulder, Colorado, where we both grew up and we met at Boulder High School in senior year chemistry class. So we were actually lab partners. It's that cheesy. And yeah, yeah it's super cheesy. Like we went to senior prom together. And then we were, <laughs> when we were about to go to college, we both went to Stanford the same year. We decided to pragmatically break up. Mm. And, you know, if it was true love, it would come back. The chemistry wasn't there anymore. <laughs> the, the chemistry went away. So then, yeah, actually, when I was living in New Jersey and you were living in San Francisco, we decided that would be a perfect time at 24, seven years later, to get back together. So that yeah. was kind of the, the origin story yeah. of how we finally got back together. Oh, that's amazing. And then I know that you talk about in your book and interviews that there was a sort of breaking point in your marriage, just to kind of fast forward. Could you tell us a little bit about that and kind of the point where you decided something had to give, something had to change? Yeah. Well, in some ways, it's helpful to start at the beginning. So when we first yeah. got married... There was a way that I just started doing all the things that my mom had done. And we could do a totally separate podcast about how awesome my mom is, but (laughs) we're really, really different that I was traveling and consulting and also wanting to be, you know, a wife. And we decided, well, gosh, that old model wasn't working. Instead, we should try to make things fair. And so we, you know, all my consulting geekiness might have made some spreadsheets. And then we just fought all the time. Whose turn was it to go to the grocery store? Whose turn was it to you know make plans with friends? But exactly as you're saying, Doug, it, it was really when we had our daughter that everything broke, that there was just no way to have fairness be the way that we did things. You know, how much how much do you have to do in order to make up for a 2 a.m. you know, trip to the kids' room? How many times do you have to go to the grocery store before it covers a tantrum that you've sort of cleaned up? And so it was actually, it sounds so silly, but it was trying to figure out who was going to pick up our daughter when she got off the bus in first grade where everything completely fell apart. It was like, 
I can't travel and do this. You can't, you know, run this company and do this. What better way is there? Yeah. And, you know, I always talk about this in previous relationships. You know, you get to a point where there is a point of no return in a lot of cases where then every minor little mishap is just exploded into something big. And it just, you know, that was always the scary part of our marriage was I don't want to ever get to that point. I don't want to start, you know, getting towards that that place where it's just toxic. And like you said, you know, when we talk about fairness, you know, Jamie was breastfeeding. She breastfed both of our kids. And even now my son is a little over one years old. And anytime we get in an argument about, you know, who's doing what, or, you know, the split responsibilities, you know, the whole breastfeeding at 1.30, 3.30 and 5.30 is thrown in my face where, you know, well, <laughs> the only way to make that fair is to wake me up and just make me stay up with you while you breastfeed. There's nothing I can do other than bring you water at that point. Totally. You know, so I don't feel like that should be in the argument ever, but you know, there is a level and I think you I think you hit on a very hot topic for marriage because it's like how do we define fairness? How do we define responsibilities and is it as easy as a mathematical percentage? Well, and it's really interesting that you bring up that example because it gets to one of the big insights we had about this mindset of 50-50 fairness, which we fell into and most couples do, I think. We found that there's all this research now in psychology showing that when it comes to our assessments of what is or isn't fair in marriage in particular, we're really bad. We're basically diluted. So on the one side, there's this phenomenon of availability bias where all of my wonderful acts of contribution, taking our daughter to camp and you know setting things up around the house and cleaning, <laughs> those are available to me, but mostly not to Kaylee. And so we're having these arguments on the basis of me thinking like, you know, here are all the great things I've done and systematically underestimating what she's done. <laughs> and then the other thing that's like on top of that is another cognitive bias where we overestimate our own contributions. So you know, if I say like, oh, I spent four hours with our daughter yesterday while you were working, Kaylee, it's actually more likely that it's three or two. For so, sure. So all this means like we're basically deluded about how much we're contributing, how much our partners are contributing. So these fights are just like, they're totally crazy. crazy. They're based on delusion. Yeah. And I always find it fun to look back on the arguments that you have when it comes to this. You know, it's like, you know, we just screamed at each other for saying that I vacuumed and and hung out with the kids all day while you were posting on social media. And where that may sound like when you say it out loud and you reflect on it, it sounds so ridiculous. It absolutely is ridiculous. And I think what Jamie and I kind of came to is that, you know, Instead of splitting up tasks, it was almost like we were focused on the importance of the task that we were doing, you know, and it's how does someone say, okay, you know, Jamie is working and she's making money in her own business and I'm watching the kids. So they're staying out of Jamie's space for the time that she's doing that. Now it's tough to make those things sound equal, you know, when it, when it should be that they're just as important you know, where one kind of does the other, but then it's, she has to stop and breastfeed Hendrix, which again, I have no control. That's a losing battle, at least for, you know, the time that she's doing it. But I, I think that you're pointing to something that's so important, which is trying to measure just leads you into this mindset of scorekeeping. Mm. And really what you're describing is a desire to win as a team. 
And so if you're trying to make it where, you know, vacuuming equals X number of social media posts, like that's a losing calibration for everybody. Yeah. But if it feels like, gosh, we are really a team, how do we set up our roles? How do we set up our priorities? How do we make sure that we're both contributing to this outcome where we win together? It's a totally different calculus. And it 100%. actually, it helps you value each other so much more. Yes. And that is something, you know, we keep having to remind each other. We're on the same team. You know, I'm not doing this despite you. You're not doing this despite me. We both have the same end goal. And how do we make it easier on the both of us? You know, so we don't feel disrespected or we don't feel taken advantage of. And I think that this is probably a, a topic for most marriages, you know, and so uh, before all of this, because I know there was almost a breaking point for you guys, you know, what kind of led to that? And what was the sort of turnaround where, you know, you saved everything? Yeah, well, I think to a certain degree, it starts with when we got married. And just to set the context here, we were 25, 26. I was a graduate student living in a dorm. So this was only a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, yeah, 15 or so. How how old are we? How long have we been married? We were uh, watching a side note. My wife loves watching crime shows and everything. And we were watching something from like, I think it was April of 2000. And it seems like yesterday. Like you don't think of it as 21 years ago. It's it's ridiculous. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. This was 2006. Yeah. But the context here is that Kaylee was this very high-functioning adult. She had a job. She had her own place. She had elaborate systems for tracking her finances. I, on the other hand, was this graduate student living in a dorm, living this kind of totally bohemian lifestyle. And so when we got married, we fell into this pattern where Kaylee was the over-contributor. I was the under-contributor. This is probably familiar to many of your listeners. And then we overlaid on top of that dynamic, this desire, which I think is the fundamental desire of most couples, which is to be equals and in love. And so as a result, you know, we have this mindset of fairness. We have this totally imbalanced dynamic of contribution where Kaylee was essentially doing everything. I was doing nothing. And what led to the breaking point is that the more we tried to make things fair, the more we were resentful toward each other, the more conflict we had, but also ironically, the more unequal things became because basically I felt like she was nagging me all the time. You know, she was like the family CEO and I was like the marital underling just taking orders. And so my response to that was to essentially say like, you know what, I'm not going to do anything because like nothing I do is enough. And so, so that was a dynamic we got into. And when we interviewed about a hundred people for this book, we found out that this is a very common dynamic, usually the woman being the over contributor, but it can be the other way as well. And the question you asked that I think is so important, Doug, is when did it break or why did it break? It was really when we had our daughter that introducing a kid to the mix put all of our systems and everything that we were sort of piecing together with, you know, band-aids and chewing gum and you know, mm. spreadsheets and arguments, it just broke. And I think it's lack of sleep. We just knew there had to be something. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. On edge, always on edge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were just sort of talking about that too, because we've sought couples counseling, you know, which I highly recommend for anybody. And it was like, you know, is it ever going to be enough? You know, like mm. if I don't do 
something, but I do it nine times in a row, but then I forget to do something. It's like everything that I didn't do is then brought up again. And, you know, how do we grow from that point? So um, what were some of the steps that you guys took to get back on the right track? It's such a great point because what we really found is that all the systems to make things better don't work if you don't first change your mindset. And so what you're describing, I think, are kind of the glasses that we wear in our relationships. And if you're looking through the glasses of fault or of blame or of comparison, you will absolutely find that one time out of 10 that your partner did not do what they were supposed to do. Whereas if you shift and you put on some glasses of appreciation, then you start catching your partner doing not only the nine out of 10, but those other things that either become an expectation or go unnoticed. And there's really this cool call and response where when you're looking for how your partner is awesome, you find it and you appreciate it. And then there's contribution that I want to do the things that I know you appreciate. I want to show up in the ways, whether that's a love language, whether that's a gift, whether that's something else that I know it matters to you. And we create this different mindset. We call it radical generosity. You can call it contribution. You could call it 8080, but it's really this whole foundational piece that changes everything you do to feel different. Yeah. And you guys speak a lot about the radical generosity, uh, radical generosity. Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, in some ways, this really gets to the key theme of the book, The 8080 Marriage, which is this idea of instead of operating on this 50 50 mindset, which is really the center of gravity of our culture. I mean, this is kind of like where we go to when we're under stress. We had an argument earlier this week where we were both super stressed out and I could just feel how all of my habits were like pulling me back to this mindset of it's not fair. Kaylee, you need to apologize to me or whatever it was. I might have needed to apologize. Yeah, But the opposite or the alternative mindset is what we call 80-80, which is the idea of shifting the spirit of contribution to something that's crazy and radical and countercultural, counterhabitual, which is this idea of what would it look like if I did all the things I usually do in an attempt to do 80%. So instead of just my fair share, what if I went way beyond that middle point? And we find that you're probably never going to hit that 80%. So it's an illusion. But just by shifting your mindset away from that scorekeeping and fairness, it has this like really powerful, contagious effect. Because that's one of the key things we found through our interviews is that your mindset is contagious. So if you're resentful, your spouse will likely mirror back your resentment. If you're seeking fairness, your spouse will join you in that battle for fairness. If on the other hand, you're radically generous, you're trying to contribute more than 50%, your spouse will likely join you. It may take a little while, but they will likely come with you in that journey. It's such a profound thought process too. And it seems like it makes complete sense when you think about it, because there is, you know, I want to contribute. We should both contribute half. And it's just so silly because when you don't contribute 50%, your partner is contributing way more than you are. And it is absolutely silly and something that I've been trying to focus on and both Jamie and I have been working on, especially through therapy, is trying to recognize the awesome instead of focused or waiting Mm. for something not to happen or something to slip or, you know, something not to be made or done. And 
the 80%, I mean, I, I played sports my whole life, you know, and when you think about the 80%, if you fall a little bit short, you're still doing a lot. Yes. A lot. And, you know, the whole contagious thing, it really is. It could be toxic when that thought process is contagious in a negative way and you start to bicker and battle and it's just... <laughs> Yeah. Throwing in kids kind of makes things a lot different and lack of sleep. But just one second, guys, we've got one sponsor and I'd like to give a quick shout out and then we'll get right back to the conversation. Quick mention about agency. And this is something that Jamie has been trying out for a while now. And I know I'm only speaking on her behalf, but she tells me how much agency has been helping with her dark spots, especially because her skin is very sensitive and she's a little bit palish white in a good way. But dark spots do show up. And I know that, you know, when it comes to treating her skin, sometimes she needs special and unique care. I mean, the girl does appear on TV. So that's why Jamie's decided to use agency. And literally nothing beats the power of a customized prescription formula. And that's just what agency is. I mean, agency is a future defining skincare brand that believes that you deserve customized products for your dynamic and ever evolving skin. It is super easy to get your custom formula. You just go to their website, you upload a photo of your skin and tell them about yourself. Then they will match you with a licensed dermatology provider who will create a custom formula based on the research and research backed ingredients that are just tailored to you. So not only does agency actually continue to check in on you to see how your skin responds to treatment, but your provider can adjust the formula strength as your skin ages over time. And Jamie's provider is connected with her to see how she likes the formula, especially because she does have sensitive skin. So Jamie just, she really tells me how impressed she is, how she hasn't needed to change the formula. And she's super happy with what has worked herself into a daily routine and to take care of her skin. So if you are interested or if this is something Something that comes up in your day, definitely give Agency a shot. The personalized anti-aging skincare that evolves with you. Go to withagency.com slash hot marriage for a free 30-day trial. Just pay $4.95 for shipping and handling. That's withagency.com slash hot marriage to unlock your 30-day free trial. Go to withagency.com for all the details subject to consultation. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. Thank you, agency. Now let's get back to Nate and Kaylee Clemp. During your research, was there anything else that was sort of eye-opening for you guys that were just kind of most common that you didn't think was most common? I would say that the most interesting thing in the interviews, besides some of the foundational pieces like what a difference mindset makes, how, you know, striving for 80% can change the tenor of everything. You know, certainly I love your sports analogies that if it feels like you're on the same team, you win together. But really the biggest surprise in the interviews was people saying, gosh, I'm looking for validation that we're not the only people struggling with this. And it was kind of funny that when we were doing pre-orders, 
one of our friends, you know, sent us a text and they were like, Hey, I just got in trouble with my spouse for ordering your book. We were like, what? She was like, he saw it in the Amazon cart and came over and was like, are, are we okay? Like, do, do we have a problem? And so there's this really fascinating double standard that shows up around working on your relationship and knowing that you and Jamie sort of do both, you know, hot marriage, cool parents, somehow it's okay to buy a parenting book or post on social media that I'm struggling mm -hmm. with my kids, but it's really rare for people to be honest and say, marriage is work. Marriage is challenging. Gosh, we're struggling with this component of it. And so many couples simply said, we want to know we're not alone mm -hmm. and we want to have some tools for when we get stuck, how to get out in a way that doesn't feel, by the way, we love therapy too, but it, where it doesn't feel like the first step is, oh no, we have to go to therapy, but are there a couple of things we can do first? Sure. That was a conversation we just had in bed too, because you talk about the mindset and just what used to be the norm. Like when I think of therapy, I always thought of something's wrong. Something's on the brink yeah. of breaking and you need to fix it. You know, it was never just like, okay, let's strengthen this part of the relationship. And I've gotten over that mindset because that was always something that was in my head. Like if you need therapy, something's really messed up about, about <laughs> you or you guys are on the brink of divorce. That's the only reason why you would get couples therapy. And it's not the case anymore. It really isn't. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's this assumption out there and we certainly had it that somehow marriage should be super easy and it should be self-evident how to do it. But we know that in other domains, that's not true. You know, mm -hmm. if you're trying to learn how to play the piano, if you're trying to learn how to be a better leader, nobody feels ashamed of going out and buying a business book on how to be a great leader or how to learn to be more mindful, right? There are all like these things we do. Taking a piano lesson. Yeah, right. like taking piano <laughs> lessons. But there's something different. There's this stigma that's getting better, but it's still there around relationships where it's like, if you have to read a book on it, if mm -hmm. you have to go to therapy, then something's wrong. And, and we're trying to shift that paradigm and say like, wait a minute, you know, you can optimize marriage just like you can optimize your mind. You can optimize your physical fitness. And mm -hmm. why wouldn't you do that? It brings so much happiness to yourself, to your partner, to your mm -hmm. family, to your kids. You know, yeah. it's just a no brainer. Yeah. And it's almost with anytime you talk to someone that writes music or plays an instrument, you know, the, the greatest still practice, they still go to lessons, yeah. they do it over and over and over again to keep it great. And you would think that it would apply to real life, you know, and the idea of changing kind of the mindset of what used to be the norm and what is now, because the last two times that we went out, Jamie was in the car and this happened even just last night, I brought my son and my daughter into a restaurant to sit down. And I put my son in a high chair and I put my daughter in the chair and we were just kind of drawing on the menu um, mm. or on the placemat, whatever it was. And this older couple came over and it was actually this older woman that said, you know, it's so nice to see a husband interact with the kids and <sighs> keep control. And then Jamie came in and she felt the point to come over and and she's like, you know, back in the day, it wasn't the case. Like my husband wouldn't do this back in yeah. the day. And so I think your research is so current and so present because those are the times that we're in. 
you know, me being a stay-at-home dad is not the norm for most families. You know, the old mindset of, you know, the husband's going to go to work and provide and the wife stays home with the kids and everything else. And it's just flipped in our household. So things have to change. Things have to be updated. Totally. You have named something so crucial that in some ways, We call that first model, it sounds like maybe the couple at the restaurant, the 80-20 model, where, you know, once upon a time, the societal norm was, you know, one partner, usually the wife, stayed at home with the kids and the man went out and raised the money. And, you know, it was the woman's job to make sure that the family worked, that the (laughs) marriage was well tended to. And while there are tons of reasons that that's outdated and unfair, there actually was kind of a hidden benefit, which was you were pointed in the same direction and roles were clear. Yep. I think now we're in this really interesting world where everything is kind of flipped on its head, where no expectation can be assumed that you know it's not exactly the same, but we're in a parallel situation where I'm the one who travels two to three days a week. And Mm -hmm. now that flights are going and we're allowed to leave our homes and (laughs) vaccines are showing up, that's happening again. And so the expectation can't be it's the way that it used to be. And so exactly to your point, we need a new mindset, but we also need some new structure Mm -hmm. where instead of just falling into the roles that we might have inherited from our grandparents or our parents, we sit down. And I love the idea of practices. That's one of my favorite parts of the book is you sit down and one of our favorites is write out what are your values Mm. and what does that practically mean for how you align your roles? And this doesn't mean that you, you know, divide dinner where you do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, (laughs) Saturday, but how do we align those so that we're doing what we're each gifted at and each Mm -hmm. like to do? Again, so we're back on that winning team rather than sort of in a tug of war. Right. And just speaking to some of our audience. So if, if there's a spouse that wants change, they recognize this change, but their partner is kind of selfish and refuses to really see any of the issues. What advice do you have for that person? Yeah. So it's such a tricky question and important question. It's so important. We devoted an entire chapter to what we call the reluctant partner. Mm -hmm. And I think the place that I would start is around if I'm the one who's giving more, what's my relationship to control? And it sounds kind of blamey if you're not careful about it, but Mm -hmm. there's the sense of if I look at myself early in our relationship, I didn't let Nate really show up and contribute because I was so fixated on things being the way that I wanted them to be. And so I wouldn't let him do some of those things. And, you know, great examples actually are finances that I was very particular. I liked having control. I like, I sort of wouldn't let him in, but then I, I would get so mad. There was this time where he bought a bike and man, I expensive bike. you would have thought he bought a Ferrari. I was so pissed, (laughs) but it kind of took those moments of seeing where I was holding on to things and where I was willing to let go a little to then allow him to show up. You didn't buy two bikes? <laughs> I only bought one, but it was a very nice bike. <laughs> um, you could borrow it sometimes, Kaylee. Yeah, right, it's gone. I sold it. It's, that's how we ended that no argument. longer in the garage. <laughs> if you're saying that you're like, thanks, Kaylee. Good for you that you were controlling. If that's not your angle, if you're like, I have really tried that. I have invited in my partner. I have done so with grace and generosity of spirit. 
then I think it's, you're kind of at an inside job. And while I will say it's totally unfair, it's actually about you and how you feel in the experience that if you're the one who's up in the middle of the night with one of your kiddos, there's a way that you can do that with a sentiment of resentment where you come back to bed and you wake up your partner where, you know, I was up again or in the Mm -hmm. morning, kind of hold it over their head. Or you can go into that kiddo's room and you get a little bit of stolen time with them. And, you know, in the moment you get to sort of say, I know that 10 years from now, I'm going to look back with fondness (laughs) on those sleepless nights, even though right in this moment, I don't feel it. And basically it's, if you're going to do it anyway, then your question is, do you want to do that same act feeling resentful and being bathed in cortisol? Or do you want to do it with some generosity as a gift to you and your kiddos and your marriage and your family? Yeah, it is kind of eye-opening when you sort of just switch your mind to gratitude. Um, And something that you mentioned was control, because this is Also something that Jamie and I will sometimes struggle with, but we chatted recently on a previous episode that Jamie feels like she has to control everything. And it's because she doesn't trust that I will actually follow through with my task. So even if I'm not given a chance to show that or do that, she still feels like she has to control the situation and control everything without giving me a chance to to actually complete it. What's some advice that you would give to help couples kind of improve on that control or if someone's struggling with letting control? Yeah, well, I think in some ways what you're speaking to is power. And we got really interested both in our own relationship and when we were talking to other couples about how does power show up And how do you balance power? Because similar to you, we had that dynamic running all the time. I was going to say, Jamie and I could chat. (laughs) Yeah, like my my line on that would be, she'd be like, hey, can you clean the grill? I'd be like, yeah, it's on my list. Yep. You know, and then a week later, can you clean the grill? Oh, it's on my list. I'm going to do it, right? And so there was a situation that then emerged where she was... CEO, I was sort of, you know, taking orders. It created a power dynamic that was really problematic. There are other kinds of power dynamics. A lot of them show up around money, actually, where there's one partner who makes more, you know, in in our relationship, Kaylee has had a very successful business. And we joke in the book that there were years where she made five times more money than I made. And, 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 but that's a real issue that shows up around control and around power because you know, like we were interviewing one woman who out earns her husband who was like, yeah, I pick where we go on vacation because it's mostly my money. And, you know, her husband, as you can imagine, is like, well, when's it my turn to pick where we go on vacation? Right. So there are all these ways in which control shows up and asymmetrical power dynamics show up. It's, it's around money sometimes. It's around domestic work sometimes. Sometimes it's around sex, actually. There's a whole power dynamic around a higher drive partner and a lower drive partner and who initiates, who says no, how they say no, right? So so there are all these different ways power shows up. And the main thing that we learned is that when those dynamics show up, the best thing you can do is create a little bit more structure so that it's less about the two of you fighting against each other and there's a structure that sort of creates balance. So with finances, for example, Having a shared pot of resources, Mm -hmm. super key. Having a budget for some couples, super key. That's a structure that just sort of like eliminates some of the Mm -hmm. conflict. Scheduling sex. It sounds crazy, but we love to joke about it. it. Hey, 
that's structure that takes away the fight. Now totally. we're not fighting about how much we do it and when we yep. do it. And scheduling dates on Sundays. Scheduling That's, dates. I think it's super important. If you have a busy schedule and you're not able to just do things on a whim, scheduling is key. And I feel like I'm looking into a mirror with you guys, with everything that you're speaking about. And I wish Jamie was here for this because this, everything that I've been reading about, uh, especially with your book, everything kind of pertains to us and it's been helping us out tremendously. And, so cool. and I think everybody's kind of got the whole pandemic on their brain and there is a little stir craziness with people that are home and, you know, my traveling to work and going to work, that was my time, my alone time mm. kind of. And when you try to explain that to someone, it almost seems like, well, why don't you want to be with me? Why aren't you present with me? But you need that mental break. And I think it was your ABC or Good Morning America interview that you guys had where it was like, you need mental space, you need physical space, even if it's walking around the block. Yes. Um, what are some of the things that you guys recommend for couples that are just kind of getting annoyed with each other? You named it that there's something where in order to be close, you actually do need some space. And in some ways it sounds funny, but we've been asked before, like, well, why 80, 80 and not a hundred, a hundred? Like if you're <laughs> going to go all in, why not go all in? It's unrealistic. <laughs> totally unrealistic. And because we want you to have yourself. Mm -hmm. We want you to still have things that are for you, that are your passion and your space. And so whether that's a drive to the office, whether that's a walk around the block, whether that's a meditation practice or a run or whatever it is, that there's something that feels like it's yours because then you're actually even more compelling to your partner. If you do absolutely everything together, there's less novelty mm -hmm. and there's less attraction, that there's something around when you're away, what is it, distance makes the heart grow fonder, yeah. that there's something where now I can also be present with you. I can bring you my full attention. I can ask you different questions. And so you know, tips for couples who want to create that togetherness that has that allure is one, do create some time for yourself. Even if it's little, that you know, five-minute walk around the block, whether it's you know, put the kiddo in a stroller. I was just <laughs> reading an article about uh, Kevin Durant. His grandma would put him in a stroller, just like keep him still. <laughs> put a kiddo in a stroller, walk around the block with your earphones in, mm -hmm. just so you get a little bit of headspace to then be able to come back and then to ask your partner different questions. That if we check in at the end of the day and the question is, how was your day? Most of the time, the answer is fine. How was it? It was good. Yeah, it was good. Right. It was, it was good, which means like, I, I don't know, nothing at all. Versus if you ask your partner something like, hey, where did you feel the most alive today? Or what's something in the next week that would let you know that I really love you? You can't say fine to those no. questions, right? That there's a totally different level of connection. It's almost like interviewing or someone in sales where you ask a question that's not a yes or no type of yes. question. Yeah. Or it's like remembering your first date questions. Obviously, you and Jamie have a great story that way. Yeah, well, like you know, that was something that I think was extremely helpful. And when Jamie and I first got together, obviously getting married as strangers, it's a huge, weird thing. Um, there's no other way to explain it other than bizarre. <laughs> but one of the things that saved us and helped us was I was working in New Jersey and we were both living in the city. Jamie was a labor and delivery nurse and she worked the overnight shift. So two to three days a week, 
I would be leaving just as she was coming home. And by the time I would get home, she would be on her shift. It gave us time to miss each other. We weren't on top of each other. It gave us time to think about each other and just, it, it was the excitement of waiting till they got home or just waiting to be together. And I have trouble articulating that nowadays too, where it's just like, you know, like I need my drive to the pharmacy. I need to go shopping alone sometimes just to have some time in my own head. And this argument came up yesterday where, you know, I played college baseball. I played baseball my whole life. I wanted to become a professional baseball player. I had two surgeries through college that kind of sidelined me. And, mm. and she was upset that I wouldn't want to play in a co-ed softball league with her. <laughs> I was like, it's not you. It's not, I don't want to play with you. It's just, I enjoy baseball and softball. That's been my passion. And I like to play at a certain level. It's not a knock on girls or women or anything. It's just, that's my thing. You know, I will do anything else other than that. Like, I wouldn't want you playing third base and me up at the plate and hitting it. And that's when things sort of fell apart. You don't think I could catch it? And I was like, (laughs) 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 what you're pointing to, Doug, that I think is so funny and true about marriage is that sometimes revealing gets us closer Mm -hmm. and sometimes revealing creates like tension Yeah, and being willing to stay with that conversation through the hiccup and to understanding where then you get to really appreciate each other again and know each other more deeply. I think that one of the things I so admire about you and Jamie is that you stay with it, Mm -hmm. that yes, okay, went off the rails, but you come back Mm -hmm. because a lot of couples start that conversation, it starts to go sideways and they just stop. But Mm. then what happens is we stop knowing each other and we get caught with these past versions of this person who we love instead of kind of always updating and staying intrigued and wondering what what they care about and what they want to do and why. And so, you know, there's generosity, there's appreciation, there's gratitude, but there's also revealing who are you and who are you today? Yeah. And it could be, uh, I mean, I'm totally different than seven years ago when we first got together, totally different. You know, I do think it's nice to remember the past, but it's also so important to remind yourself who you are currently and what your current situation is. And you can't have these expectations that you used to have in the past. You always got to keep updating. And so for any couples that kind of are listening and maybe realizing that they have some work to do, what would you say would be a good first practical step forward? Yeah, we think there are really two simple habits you can integrate that fit in with this idea of 80-80 and radical generosity. The first is to just do one very simple act of contribution each day. So this is a micro habit. This is not like, hey, I bought you tickets to go to Fiji with me. This is like, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to make Kaylee a cup of coffee in the morning. Mm. Or I'm going to write a sticky note that says, I love you, and I'm going to put it on our monitor, right? These are things that take five seconds to Mm. do. So they don't take time. They do take a little bit of presence and mindfulness. But that simple act has that contagious effect I was talking about before, where it's likely to create this kind of spiral. So that would be one thing. Well, so then it's appreciation Mm. that the glasses that you're wearing in your relationship changes everything. For sure. 
if there's a practice that a couple wants to do where they're like, hey, we love this idea, we're ready for you know radical generosity, appreciation, 80-80, then the whole second part of our book is a series of practices. It's a series of tools to help those couples start to engage on these topics. What are our values? How do we divide our roles so they're more balanced? How do we define our priorities and set some boundaries so we actually get to live them? And by doing them in kind of fun ways, if you're looking for a way to get your partner on board, one of those exercises together as a couple can be a way to start the conversation, update the dialogue, and get you moving in this direction that helps you be on that same winning team. I love that. What was the radical gratitude that worked in your relationship moving forward? Uh, let's see. Radical gratitude. Do you have one? Well, I was thinking about the GMA sticky note. Yeah. Tell that one. So before we did our good morning America interview, so we did a practice the night before. And the truth is it was terrible. He was so, so bad. Well, we had been practicing on like hikes and then we sat in front of the, the video camera the night before rehearsing. And I was like, Oh, this is totally different in front of the video camera. Yeah. That's funny. So after we finished, he was in a bit of his own headspace spiral. And so I wrote him a sticky note and just left it on his bedside table, reminding him that I love you not because of what you say on TV or you know books you write, but all the reasons that I love you just for who you are and reminder to have fun with this. And then I woke up the next morning to this beautiful <laughs> card on my bedside table and um, and then our daughter, she's nine now, she got on board. She was like, oh, I, I, can, I can do sticky note gratitudes. And so like, I love you, mama. Sticky notes all over the place, like on the steering wheel, you know, find them in the bathroom, try to have them not fall into <laughs> it. But there was something about that radical gratitude that was so contagious that to me feels like it really, it shifted so much. Well, and it is. You can't help but respond yeah. to an act like that when your spouse is so kind and so appreciative. How can you not respond? And that's right. the contagious quality. Yeah, it's the little things. Yeah, and I absolutely love that. And I want to just thank you guys both from the bottom of our heart. And I know Jamie sends her gratitude too. I mean, you've really, you've helped us and I know you're going to be helping so many more couples and people. I love the research that you guys are doing and I thank you for your time and how humble you are and willing to share. For anybody that wants to either get in touch or look you guys up, uh, where can they find you? Where can they find your book? Yeah. So the book is everywhere you find books. Our website is 8080 marriage, 8080 marriage. And we're also on Instagram, 8080 marriage. And we have some guides on, you know, epic date night. And on Instagram, we love doing various challenges for couples that sort of pop you out of that 50, 50 mindset mm -hmm. and into something different. What are some of those challenges or what's your favorite challenge? Maybe we'll start there because everybody listening, we're leave links in the show notes and everything else. But I'm curious about some of the challenges that you guys like to do. Yeah. So one of the ones that we do is to write your partner a love letter and put it under their pillow and wait till it's discovered. And it was so funny. This one woman on Instagram started DMing me after this challenge. She's like, it's been two days. He still hasn't found it. And then I get a DM two days later. It's been four days. He still hasn't found it. It took this guy two weeks to find the love letter. But when he did, it was like this amazing thing. Aww. So some of these end up being really funny, you know, or do something radically generous and don't get caught. That's another one of our favorites. Yeah. You know, 
see what happens when you can't take credit for your amazing act of generosity. That's amazing. Things like that. (laughs) Well, that's so much fun. And I know we'll be tuning in and I really wish the best of luck with the book and all of your research. And I look forward to the more work and everything that you guys do. And thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you so much. So much fun. Thank you for having us. When your next book comes on, we'll certainly uh, have you guys on again. And I think it would be a fun idea to maybe do some of the challenges. If you guys would be open to it, maybe on an Instagram live and just have some of these challenges where we can split the screen and I if, oh, we love would love that yeah. idea. Totally. Yeah. Yes, because I think that'll be a lot of fun. And I know it, oh it, gosh, it would just help that. us. <laughs> Selfishly, it would help us, but I'm sure a lot of others. So, yeah. Well, it would help us too. I mean, <laughs> we like to talk about this as a practice. Yeah. yeah. We are always in the practice. <laughs> Doing our own practices is often one of those, like, that was a good one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We need to do that again and again and again. <laughs> well, doing the podcast is almost therapy for us, just being able to talk into a microphone. And it's just, it's something that, exactly. something that little, switch in the head but uh yeah thank you guys so much and we'll certainly be in touch and for anybody listening we'll leave all of the links and everything else in the show notes and again appreciate it and have a great day thanks so much thank you so much all right guys thanks again well you know for all of the interviews for jamie to be busy for. I really, really wish that she was here for this, but I know she's going to really enjoy listening back to this because honestly, they mirror our relationship in so many ways. And for anybody that has these mindsets, has this sort of glass that they're looking through, may not feel appreciative or may feel like you're appreciating your spouse more than they're appreciating you. Or if you have that power struggle, I highly, highly recommend checking out their book, checking out their Instagram. They offer a lot of advice. They offer a lot, a lot of fun practices to do. And I know a lot that Jamie and I are doing and have been doing, and we really, really appreciated them coming on. Definitely stay tuned for next week. We're going to have another phenomenal episode and we love hearing from you. So feel free to reach out, leave a review, find us on social media, anything else, any other topics or anything else that you guys would be interested in. We read all of the reviews. So definitely leave some notes there. And, uh, you know, for any five-star reviews, we love giving you guys a shout out. So enjoy the rest of the day, the ride, the walk, the run, the cleaning, whatever you're doing while listening to this. And we love you and goodbye.